All right, everybody, welcome back to the Golf Guide Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Serlo, and I am very, very happy to be back with you all after a little month-long sabbatical. Uh, after Bryson won the U.S. Open, I felt like my brain needed a nice, solid detox uh, before all this chaos starts again, because uh, a little uh, newsflash to all of you guys out there, while it is the beginning of November, somehow we are less than two weeks away from the 2020 Masters uh, tournament down at Augusta National Golf Club, so we got to get dialed in for that. Uh, the last four weeks for me personally have been wild. Uh, major, major life uh, changes taking place. I'm now broadcasting you from my parents' guest room uh, in Sonoma County, California, which me and my wife will be uh, residents of in the near future based on some whole bunch of other crazy stuff happening. So uh, if you guys have been missing the podcast for the last couple weeks, don't worry. I've, I've been missing it too. I, I've been jonesing to get back on here with you guys. Uh, actually, you know, in the middle of all this chaos, I've taken a couple really awesome golf trips to some places that I'm excited to tell you guys about. So uh, let's let's quit dilly-dallying and just get into it here on another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. <laughs> Well, uh, since we have done our last podcast, a couple of really tragic things have happened that I figure it's probably best for us to just address first. So uh, I want to send condolences to all my fellow Bay Area sports fans. The Lakers and the Dodgers uh, are both uh, champions of their respective sports. Uh, you know, some people are saying there's an asterisk. Obviously, the people in Los Angeles, Southern California are going to say that's, you know, that's baloney. Uh, where do I stand? Hey, you know what? If you feel really good about, you know, winning an NBA championship in an empty, you know, in an empty arena with no fans where there's no actual playoff environment, then good for you. Uh, and for Dodger fans, hey, you know, you played the equivalent of getting all the way to about early July and that's championship. So, you know what? Good for you guys as well. Very, very happy for all my friends that are Dodger fans. Uh, very happy for my friends that are Laker fans. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm very excited for the next time that I see you guys in person to talk about the merits of uh, each of those championships. So very, very exciting. And uh, congratulations again to the city of Los Angeles. Uh, it, as you can tell, very, very important and fun stuff. Uh, turning our attention to the golf world, um, there has definitely been a few things that have happened uh, in the last month or so. But admittedly, especially for those of us like myself that are in Northern California, October and November represent such a phenomenal time of year weather-wise. You know, uh, obviously, fires <laughs> uh you know fires withstanding um we're normally you know this is you know what they call the indian summer this is some of the best weather that northern california residents especially those in the bay area uh get all year so i have been trying to do my part in playing as much golf as humanly possible uh, i made my first trip ever to pronghorn uh up in central oregon the uh the troon managed property that features a jack nicholas public course and a tom fazio private course i had a chance to play both a couple of times, and uh, I'll go into detail on that a little bit later in the podcast, but unbelievably impressed and uh, already excited to make my way back up there. Both you know, both those courses were absolutely unreal. And then I actually just got back from my third trip uh, up to Gamble Sands with seven other degenerates. That was uh, also a remarkably good time. Uh, we got a chance to actually play uh, the new Quicksands Par 3 course that's going to be opening 
uh, next year in 2021. So towards the end of the podcast, I'll talk all about uh, my experience at Gamble and my experience at Pronghorn. Uh, but just wanted to cut before we do that. Just wanted to touch base on a couple of news items. Um, yeah, to kind of get you guys all squared away before we do a Masters preview pod here later in the week or early next week. We're locking down the details for that one. Uh, but let's go ahead and start just with the probably the actual legitimately saddest news. I know I started you know the podcast with the whole Lakers and uh, and Dodgers bit, but um, you know one of my favorite entertainers of all time passed away this week. Um, the greatest Bond of all the Bonds, Mr. Uh, Sir Sean Connery, uh, unfortunately passed away earlier this week. A lot of us golfers kind of recount, you know, recall, uh, you know, 007's time taking down Oric Goldfinger, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and of course, you know, in the self-titled film Goldfinger, when uh, you know, just caught Goldfinger playing playing a ball that wasn't his, shimmed him right there on the 18th green, took about 5k off him with inflation. I don't even know what that would be nowadays, but uh, a real nice hefty win for uh, for Mr. Bond, and uh, overall, just as a fan of film. Um, and just you, somebody that loves popular culture, uh, losing Sean Connery sucks. It really, really sucks. Uh, I admittedly am a weirdly huge James Bond fan. I was grown up in a house. I grew up in a household. My mom loved James Bond. Um, I, I mean, I think I probably watched every Bond film starring Sean Connery no less than 30 times. I mean, I watched You Only Live Twice again last night. Uh, I, the second time I've watched it since Mr. Connery passed away a couple days ago. Um, it just, it stinks. And, uh, you know, just a couple of those shots that you see, and I, I saw doing the rounds on social media. You know, James Bond in his kind of his golf uniform with like the rolled up jeans and the. It's just iconic, just super awesome. And uh, I know it's not super specifically golf related, but I did want to uh, take a moment to just uh, remember uh, Mr. Connery and uh, wish him uh, well and and hope he rests in peace. And uh, yeah, what what an absolute fucking legend. Love Sean Connery. All right, uh, next order of business here. Uh, this one's big. Uh, did you guys know that the greatest golfer of all time has uh, has p- p- dipped his foot into the p- political tidal wave <laughs> that's that's overtaking our country uh, this uh, this week? Um, Jack Nicholas uh, headline here from JeffShockford.com. Nicholas' new Trump endorsement quote would cause some grief, uh, and then suggests hospitals may be fudging COVID nineteen death data for profit. Uh, so. Uh, if you guys were not aware, uh, Jack Nicholas has endorsed uh, Donald J. Trump for president. Uh, interesting move. Definitely not going to uh, isolate himself. And and <laughs> I just, uh, it's like, I, I, why anybody comes out and advocates for a, a you know a politician uh, in 2020 is absolutely beyond me. Because uh, I guess it's going to endear you to the part of the por- you know population that supports that candidate. And because it's 2020, whoever doesn't support that political candidate now probably thinks that Jack Nicholas is a moron. Uh, and so uh, not really sure why the guy that had absolutely everything to lose and nothing to gain by uh, <laughs> packing a, a, a certain uh, politician would do so. But a little a little interesting. I, I, I don't really know. Uh, and th- in a story from the Palm Beach Post, uh, reporter Tom D'Angelo uh, also said in his story that Nicholas claims uh, hospitals attempting to profit by false reporting, uh, something that President Trump has uh, also claimed. And this is a quote from the story. Quote, Nicholas told a story about two people he knows whose parents died from something other than COVID. And according to Nicholas, they were asked if the de- cause of death could be changed to COVID and declined. Nicholas said the hospital gets more money with COVID deaths than they do with other deaths. I'm sure there's been a lot of that. 
um, end quote. Um, you know, I, I think we should also note that Politico has reported that uh, Jack Nicholas has lobbied President Trump on his behalf for the Nicholas uh, Children's Hospital in Miami, uh, seeking $20 million towards a mobile children's hospital project. Gonna go ahead and guess that uh, that may have something to do with trying to get into uh, Donnie's good graces. Uh, so maybe this is a political move by Mr. Nicholas. Who knows? All I know is that I, I, I don't really subscribe to the whole, you know, sports and politics shouldn't mix. Unfortunately, in the landscape that we live in, there's just there's going to be overlap. And people have decided that uh, politics uh, it matters a great deal no matter what they're doing. And they're going to insist that it uh, they become one and the same. And so I think for all of our sakes, it's better that we just kind of learn to accept that instead of just begrudgingly say, again, you know, stick to sports and all, you know, stop, shut up and dribble, all that, all that bullshit. Um, a little weird that Nicholas it, it did it this way. But, uh, yeah, you know, so if if you think that Jack Nicholas endorsing Donnie is going to sway what you do in this week's presidential vote, um, man, that's too bad for you. <laughs> I wish you were paying more attention to the last couple of years. So, all right, next item of business. Let's go to a, a slightly less polarizing topic. Just kidding. That's that, that's impossible. It's Bryson DeChambeau, uh, who apparently has got his swing speed or a ball speed or whatever the fuck it is, like a plus 200. He had a, a 403-yard carry uh, that happened as he's leading up to the Masters. Uh, as of right now, Bryson is the odds-on favorite to win at Augusta. I for one, will not be placing any money on Bryson to win at Augusta. Um, the fact that Augusta National is the only place in professional golf that still does not allow green ring books, something that Bryson relies on to a large, large extent, I do not like his chances at Augusta. But, you know, we're going to talk about that in much, much more detail uh, coming up on our Master Masters Preview podcast. But just kind of want to put that on your radar because, again, that's going to be something that is going to be a large uh, topic of discussion well, with my guest uh, when we do that podcast. But it's just good to know that Bryson, you know, has, has been talking about the 48-inch driver. He's getting that swing speed up. Uh, he said he wants to put on a whole a shitload of weight uh, before the master starts. So the guy is just still just crushing it, just, just absolutely crushing it uh, in a way that makes me always want to watch him play but never want to watch him win. I don't know if that's good or bad for golf, but that's that's how I feel right now. Uh, all right, and then the last little uh, item of news business that I figured I'd get you guys caught up on. This broke uh, all within the last week, but it turns out that uh, Callaway is going to be buying a controlling stake in Top Golf. Uh, they're going to own 51%, which is uh, comes out to a valuation of roughly $2 billion. Um, this will make it so Callaway's portfolio is going to include all of Callaway's clubs plus their soft goods, all uh, Top Golf. They also own Jack Wolfskin, which is a kind of European outdoor uh, clothing brand. Uh, they also are now going to own uh, Top Tracer and all the other kind of stuff that is affiliated with Top Golf. They own, obviously, Travis Matthew is the apparel line for Callaway. And so the portfolio is getting a little more diversified. I know that when they made the announcement, the stock price dropped 18% just based on some other factors. But uh, as we all know, that single day you know gains and, and declines uh, are pretty par for the course right now. So nothing really to uh, to make a note of there. But if you're somebody that uh, you know it, it likes to track all this business, golf business type stuff, it's definitely something to note. Uh, whether that means you're going to see a lot more Callaway stuff in Top Golf uh, when society opens back up, I do not know. But it will be definitely interesting to keep track of. So uh, I'm going to try to actually have somebody that's a little more knowledgeable on this kind of stuff on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks, uh, and then maybe we can talk about this. Uh, 
a little bit more at length and try to get an understanding of how this might impact Callaway's business, Top Golf, and all that kind of good stuff. All right. With that being said, everybody, it is now time for me to just brag. Just brag and talk about these super kick-ass golf trips that I took um, this month. And I want to give a huge shout-out to the Ashworth family and the guys at Link Soul. Uh, I played in my first uh, event that was put on by Link Soul at the end of September, beginning of October, up at Pronghorn in Central Oregon. If you guys have not been to Pronghorn before, um, first of all, it is the it, it's it's just so fucking nice. Um, it is a high end golf destination. If you're looking for a place to go on like a budget golf trip of buddies, it's probably not uh, going to be the place that I would recommend. I know that uh, one of the courses, the Fazio course, is obviously private, so unless you've got a connection, uh, you won't be able to play out there. But just the Nicholas course alone is absolutely un real everybody if if you're listening to this and you've had the opportunity to play a lot of jack nicholas courses before um i I, i've played probably a half dozen most of them actually been really nice ones that are uh either private or kept in really good shape and i would say this is probably the second best nicholas golf course that i've ever played only behind mayakama which is obviously a, a top 200 golf course in the country i caddied there all throughout high school in the first couple summers when i was in college and the pronghorn uh nicholas course is pretty damn close. I mean, honestly, I, I couldn't even tell you for sure if I like Mayakama more. Um, I, if I had the choice of playing one or the other, I'd probably go to Mayakama just because I like the the surroundings and I like the club and everything like that. But, I mean, pro- the Nicholas Course of Pronghorn, it, it's, I know it's a top 100 public course in the country, and it deserves every last little bit of those accolades because it is absolutely phenomenal. Golf course is in incredible shape. Um, you got to use every single club in the bag. Um, the topography, there's not actually a bunch of crazy elevation change, and yet it makes it seem like there's a lot of runoffs, a lot of places where your ball can roll, you know, 75 yards left to right, front to, I mean, it's it's got a golf course that basically asks everything that you've got if you want to post a good score, and that is the, the marking of a truly great golf course. Uh, I know when we were there for the tournament, you know, talking to a lot of the guys that were around trying to get their consensus on which golf course they liked more between the Fazio and the Nicholas course. Um, from everybody that I talked to, they all seem to all like the Fazio course more. Um, I know for a couple of them had mentioned that really, really good players seem to like the Nicholas course more because it is more of a test. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that I definitely do not qualify uh, as a really good player. Right now my handicap is sitting at a very coy 6.6. So, you know, I, I, I have the ability to break 80 here and there, but, you know, not not very consistently. So I, I certainly wouldn't call me a, a great player, but I will say um, the Fazio course visually is stunning. Um, I, I think the biggest difference, you know, in terms of aesthetics between the two is uh, the Fazio course kind of has the more minimalistic kind of natural bunkers kind of scattered throughout the course with the rough fescue, graph ed- fescue grass edges that kind of look a little bit more natural, whereas... Like, you know, all of other Nicholas's courses, they're a little bit more um, manufactured. You know, they actually look, you know, with the smooth, rounded edges on the bunkers. So you, you definitely don't feel like you're quite as much in nature, in quotes, uh, on the Nicholas course as you do the Fazio course. But in terms of the routing and the golf course itself, I, if you asked me which golf course, you know, I, I enjoyed playing more, I actually think I would prefer to play the Nicholas course because it's just, it's so fantastic in that you it, I needed Every single club in my bag multiple times and just 
there were so many green complexes where there was huge false fronts and runoffs. You know, you could always there was always one safe place to hit it on a green complex. But if you start wanting to get you know bite a little bit more off to get aggressive, then all of a sudden the risk uh, increase. It's just it it's just a really really great golf course um, that I, I could not recommend highly enough to anybody making their way to Central Oregon. Um, it made me realize that there's so much more golf in Central Oregon that I've still yet to play. Uh, I know a buddy of mine was up there, you know, within a couple of weeks as well. He was up there playing, um, but Tethero, he said it was really challenging. He played crosswater and said that crosswater, honestly, he might like as much as some of the courses abandoned, which was, uh, shocking, but also I've heard nothing but great things about crosswater as well. So I'm putting that one high on the old bucket list, uh, for me to get to in 2021. So overall, anybody, you know, that hasn't taken a golf trip to central Oregon yet, uh, get that on the calendar for 2020. That, that is going to be a lot of fun. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, I know I've talked about it with boat on here a bunch of times. He's been to black Butte ranch and recommends that place, you know, a lot. It's just, Guys, there's just so much great golf on the Pacific Coast that we all are probably pretty behind in getting to play all of. So let's let's get those calendars dialed in for 2021. Let's make it happen. All right. And then the last thing I want to touch on with you guys today is last week I returned from, like I said, my third trip to Gamble Sands. Um, there was eight of us. We played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Played, you know, replays on Friday. Or no, replayed on Friday and then on Saturday. Uh, after our morning round on the Big Sands course, uh, we actually got to go do a little preview. We got to go play, go a couple loops on the new Quick Sands Par Three course, the new, um, yeah, the new short course designed by David McClay Kidd that is set to open in 2021. Um, obviously, the grass out there is still growing. When we were playing it, the uh, all the grass on the greens, the fairways, everything was all the same length. It was all a fairway length, so. You, obviously, we got in the greens, and you know, it was rolling very slow by by green standards. But I got to tell you, even if they it never changed, and you were still basically just kind of putting on a little bit longer fairway, it, it was still so much fun. And guys, I got to tell you, when that place, when they have it humming and cooking next year, and that maintenance team has got it dialed in, that place is going to be absolutely unreal. And the fun factor, I think, is going to be as high as any short course anywhere. Um, I know naturally for me, you know, because I G gamble sands at this point, I, I think is, you know, following the model that was, you know, started out with Bandon dunes. It's, they just found an incredible piece of property all on sand in a remote destination. And they're just building good quality, you know, linksy golf, um, for people to come enjoy and then building some lodging and stuff like that. So people can come with their buddies and spend a couple days there. There's obviously plans for another 18 hole course in the mix that probably will be opening in 2022 to 2023. Um, they're still in the permit, you know, permitting stages of that. But, you know, starting next year, they're going to have this big 18-hole golf course that, in my opinion, is probably one of the 100 best golf courses in North America. I know it's, uh, I, according to all the publications, I don't know if it is officially uh, in the top 100s of a Golf Digest or a Golf Week or anything like that yet. Um, but I, I, I certainly think it deserves to be, if not absolutely very much in the discussion, of uh, being a top 100 golf course in the country it's really that good um and then this this you know this par three course it's just unreal and the par three course i know is going to have a very laid back vibe to it they have speakers installed throughout the golf course right so like next to every green and tee box they've already got speakers installed actually into like the vegetation out there that's playing music the whole time so you don't even have to bring your own bluetooth speaker because they've got it all taken care of they're gonna have they're gonna be building a bar 
right up on the top of where the first tee box is going to be to make it so if you and your buddies are out rounding, you know, do, doing a bunch of loops, it's going to be very easy to get refills and get new drinks brought down to you. It's just they're going to have it so dialed in. Um, they We obviously only played it in one routing, but as we've stated on here multiple times in the reporting that I did in this year's edition of Golf Guide Magazine, uh, they're, they're going to have several different loops that they, you know, several different configurations and routings that they do day to day. And when I was talking with their director of operations, um, you know, there's obviously endless combinations they could do, but they said, you know, them and David McClay kid have kind of found four or five different routings of getting around the 14 green complexes that they really, really like. So what's likely going to happen is that when the course finally does open, it's going to be on like a four or five day rotation where the course changes day to day. So if you end up being there for say two or three days and you want to go play the quicksands par three course every day after your first round of golf, you're going to get a different par three course every single day. And the views out there are phenomenal. It's just, it's an incredibly good time. The longest hole that we played out there was 160 yards. Um, but also, I think the majority of the holes out there were between, say, I think like 70 to 110 yards. So really, if you just bring out a, a sand wedge, a pitching wedge, and a putter, and then maybe, you know, maybe, you know, one other one other club for that one hole that's going to be a little bit longer, you're going to be able to just hang it out there with three clubs and a beer or a cocktail or whatever it is, and you're going to be having an insanely good time. I, I cannot emphasize enough how fun this golf course was, despite the fact that it's still... Um, you know, several months away from being, you know, where it needs to be, uh, when they start charging folks, um, full price. I know also talking to the director of ops, they're probably going to have an option of a, you know, a single loop rate for going around the quicksands par three course. And then they're also just going to have an all day rate, you know, a flat fee you can pay to just unlimited loops all day long. That's not really going to be that crazy. So, um, yeah, man, I just, Whew. Every single guy that went on the trip with me also kept coming back to me after we left saying, I cannot believe how good that was. That was better than I was expecting it to be. Um, what I will say is, you know, the, the place that I automatically would, you know, wanted to compare it to is the preserve at Bandon Dunes because they're both, you know, really nice, well-maintained par three courses. Um, and the first thing that I'll say is it's it's apples and oranges. They're, they're totally different. Um, the preserve at Bandon Dunes almost feels more like a real, like a real legit golf course that just skips straight to the approach shots. You know, it's, um, it's just, it's world-class, but also the same rules and like kind of protocols that you would normally follow on any of the other courses at Bandon Dunes or any other really nice course do still apply to the preserve. I know that sometimes it can be a little lenient based on the time of day with maybe letting groups go off, you know, of more than four. But other than that, it's pretty much like you would, whereas the quicksands course they, they want you to go out and party. They, they want you to go out, enjoy just a couple clubs, get that music blasting, um, and and just and just get out there and hit all kinds of crazy golf shots, which I obviously can't say that the people at Bandon Dunes don't want you to do that at Bandon Preserve, but it feels much more form, like golf formal, right, than the quicksands course, which seems very informal. And I know uh, this is another little tidbit that was shared with me, that when David McClay Kidd was designing the quicksands par 3 course, he didn't really want to make it its own course uh, in the same way that where he would design any other, you know, 18-hole course. So he didn't want to model it after, like, say, the Preserve or another Par 3 course. He wanted to take, basically, the 18-hole putting course at Gamble Sands uh, is just this huge, massive putting green that has this incredible view. It's right next to all the lodging. He wanted to take that course and basically replicate it into Par 3 form, right? The place you can go at the end of the day 
with a couple of cocktails and some buddies and just shoot the shit, um, do a bunch of gambling and hang out. That's that's the vibe that they wanted to curate and kind of what they wanted to get into the design of the Quicksands Par 3 course. And having learned that and then having got to play it myself, I think they nailed it. <laughs> I think they nailed it. And so... Uh, for anybody out there that's uh, that's excited, uh, you know, about going to Gamble Sands and playing it, I can tell you right now that your excitement is well founded, um, and I think I am actually going to try to put together a golf guide trip uh, for anybody that listens to the podcast or some, you know, and, and anybody else and friends of friends for 2021. Date is to be determined. We're hopefully going to go sometime late summer, early fall for 2021. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, with that, everybody. That's all I got for you for now. I don't want to blow my load too early. We got master stuff coming up the next couple weeks, so we're going to get into it with our guest later this week that we'll either release for you guys on Saturday or probably most likely we'll release for you guys on Sunday night or Monday for next week to get you all excited for the Masters. So until then, everybody, have a great rest of your week. Remember to please vote if you have not done so already. Uh, And until next time, adios, my friends. Adios.